Hi, everybody. Chris Gates, you jinxed this. Um, <laughs> Chris, this morning, have you ever needed to like print out like a hard copy? And I'm like, no, it's always worked. I've never had a problem with it before um, until this moment right now when I turned it on and it's like, hey, let's restart. Um, when uh, When you're cooking a meal, when you're prepping food, there's a difference. There's a difference between food that you would cook in like a slow cooker, uh, like a crock pot, and a microwave. There's a difference between a slow cooker, a, a smoker, a slow cooker, crock pot, whatever you want to think about, and a, and, a, and a microwave. If you want your food fast... You, if you, if you want your food fast, you, you would put it in a microwave. But if you want it, I'm good. I got it. it yeah, I think it worked. Good jerk. We're great. We're, it's working now. Thank you, Chris. But if you want to let food marinate, you cook it low and slow. You put it in a crock pot. Or a slow cooker, like I've learned, like I've I've become somebody who likes to like smoke like brisket and ri- oh, you like low and slow, man. And when you're preparing, when you're preparing to open the scriptures, when you're preparing to preach, I would suggest that the best preachers, the best preachers, the best communicators are those who have let the passage marinate. They've let it slow cook. They've taken their time and made sure that the text, the passage, the living word of God has done its work on them, the preacher, before they ever preach it to anybody else. However, there are times, and those of you who are here studying ministry, you will learn this. There are times when you will need to microwave a message you'll you need to be you need to be prepared at times like in first peter it tells us to to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have in jesus and and so yesterday late afternoon i got a call from nick johnson and his wife lizzie who was all set to preach this morning uh, she and i even texted about it earlier yesterday and nick called me to let me know that lizzie uh, had suddenly gotten sick and that there was no way that she was going to be able to be here this morning. Uh, so Lizzie, if you are watching online, uh, please know that we are we are praying for you. We hope that you feel better. Um, and we're excited for Lizzie to be with us next Wednesday instead of what was scheduled. Then we're just going to invite her to come and share what she'd already planned to share this morning. So because of that, you get me with what I want to preface and say is a microwaved message. Actually, it's a reheated something that I slow cooked a while ago. All right, if that that makes sense. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 17. And we're going to start there this morning. Proverbs chapter 17. This morning I simply want to offer a few thoughts on our words. Proverbs chapter 17, starting in verse 
27 says this. A man of knowledge uses words with restraint. And a man of understanding is even tempered. So there's this linking between being even tempered with using words with restraint. Because words, words have a way of raising the temperature in a room, don't they? Continue to verse 28. The author writes, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. Now, turn uh, with me one book to the right to the book of Ecclesiastes, if you're following along. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Um, these places speak of the many words that we use and the trouble they can get us into. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 3 says this, As a dream comes when, we are many, when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool, where there are many words. So a fool is someone who talks too much and can't control their tongue. A fool is someone who can't control their tongue and talks too much. Flip over a few chapters in the same book to chapter 10. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 12 says, Words from a wise man's mouth are gracious, but a fool is consumed by his own lips. At the beginning his words are folly, at the end they are wicked madness, and the fool multiplies words. No one knows what's coming. Who can tell him what will happen after him? You see, central to the message of the scriptures, the message of the Bible, is this understanding that a fool is someone who can't control their tongue. And folks, this is my problem. You see, when I get into a discussion like a heated discussion, and this particularly manifests itself with my wife and I. When Suzanne and I, especially early in our marriage, when Suzanne and I have a, uh, a misunderstanding, we, we have this misunderstanding, and there's this moment in the misunderstanding when all I have to do is apologize. All I have to, or I, I say something like, instead of you made me, I say something like, hey, Suze, this is how that made me feel. You see, there are these clear moments in the misunderstanding when all I have to do is hold my tongue or, or say something kind or ask for clarity. But I don't. I say something so dumb, so boneheaded, and something so unintelligent that now we don't have a misunderstanding. We now have a disagreement. And if we're like in the kitchen preparing a meal, all of a sudden like the utensils get put down, and Suzanne says, I'm sorry, what did you say? When I hear, I'm sorry, what did you say? Or when she says, take it back. Like that's not good. Like we are not headed for like happy wife, happy life. Like that is not, that is not good. Now, <coughs> in this moment, here's what I could say. I could say, oh, I'm sorry, I think I misspoke. What I meant to say was, or I can say, boy, Suzanne, I realize how that might not have been the best thing to say. Um, here's what I actually meant. Or I can simply say, I'm sorry, or I can shut up. 
but I don't. I charge ahead, and I say things that propel us farther into a disagreement. Then the utensils are put down, and then they're picked back up. I'm just kidding. I don't like fight. All I, all I have to do is shut up. All I have to do is put myself in time out and come back when I'm ready. And things will be fine. But no, I usually just stand there blabbing, being a fool. And so I'm there being a fool. And so what I'll do, what I'll do if I feel like I'm losing, like I'm like, all right, we're in this like disagreement and I'm not winning. If I, if I feel like that's the situation, you know what I'll do? I'll bring up something from the past that wasn't my fault. You know what that's called? It's called diversionary tactic. Because I'm losing this one over here, so let's actually talk about this. This like just happened. Like just a couple weeks ago, we were driving as a family, and I did like, we were driving, and I, I did like a shifty sort of driving thing. Like I probably like, it was like a U-turn in the middle of Wichita in a space where you weren't supposed to. Like it was not, it wasn't great. It wasn't good, especially my son's learning to drive, and my wife's like, don't do anything your father ever did. Like it was bad. And so, like, it got, we were discussing it, and I realized I was wrong. And so instead of being like, you're, you're, a, I, instead I was like, well, do you remember that one time in Nebraska? No, 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 no. All I have to do is shut up. All I, so, so I've realized, you know what I do? You know what I do? You know what I am? I'm a, I'm a gas can man. When I get into one of these situations, and there's this little, tiny ember of misunderstanding and all I have to do with my bride who I love all we have to do is blow it out together you know what I do I go huh what was that on there huh what do you know it's bigger yeah, this would have to happen if I go yeah look it's bigger I'm a gas can man Anybody else, as you think about your relationships with other people, are you a gas can man or gas can woman? You find yourself in these situations where you're like, I can't believe I just said that thing that came out of my mouth. And things get worse and worse and you, you need to put the gas can down and back away from the gas can. We have these habits that we get into and the scriptures say that you can't hold your tongue, that you're a fool. And things escalate, and we bring up the past, and then we bring up that person's shortcomings, and, and then we realize that we are actually the one to blame, but instead of owning up to it, we immediately look for the chink in their armor. Instead of just shutting up for a moment, we pour more gasoline onto the fire. Are you somebody who you multiply words? You struggle with having restraint with the things that come out of your mouth. So maybe... Maybe for you, it's, it's this moment of saying, God, I need, I need to learn to control my tongue. I need restraint. Are you with me? Are, are we tracking? Now, something can happen in these discussions that isn't just about uh, the many, the multiplying of the words, but it's also the nature of the words. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Psalms, a few books back to the left, to Psalm, number, uh, Psalm chapter 64. In Psalm 64, this person is complaining. They're calling out to God because their enemies have come against them and they're conspiring against them. And in Psalm 64, verse 3, the psalmist says this. 
Well, actually, I'll start at verse 1. He says, Hear me, O God, as I, as I voice my complaint. Protect my life from the threat of the enemy. Hide me from the conspiracy of the wicked, from the noisy crowd of evildoers. And then in verse 3, it says, They sharpen their tongues like swords, and they aim their words like deadly arrows. Now, there's something going on here. There's this imagery that we get, this symbolism, and it's, it's actually pure genius. Uh, rabbis, uh, biblical scholars, teachers of the Old Testament, they have this amazing commentary on the difference between a sword and an arrow. They talk about how their tongues are like swords and their words are like arrows. And you see, a, a sword... And this is a really dangerous sword, so I'll be careful. A sword, a sword is used to jab or slice. A, a sword is used to cut, but the sword remains in your hand, and you pull it back. But, but you see, an arrow, an arrow is far different. An arrow is different. The rabbis say the difference is with an arrow... Once it's shot, you can't unsay the words. Have you ever been scrolling Instagram and or like TikTok and like an ad pops up and you're like, I need that. And then you buy it and you are not, you don't regret your purchase. Look what I got off of Instagram. It's one of those little bows that shoots like real little arrows. You want to know why I bought it? It's because I'm a child. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, this thing really shoots. And here's how I know it really shoots. I tested it on my son. That's a part of being a parent. I'm like, Isaac, stand still. Let me see if this hurts. And it like, here, I'm going to show you. Um, just because now that I'm using it for a message, it's a tax write-off. So it worked out for me. Um, ready? Uh, let me see. This is why you showed up. To, oh, I probably shouldn't aim it at you because it, like, is sharp. This is why you showed up to chapel today. Okay. That was so good. It poked a hole in that cardboard. So, so, the, so, the, so, the, uh, <laughs> so the rabbis say that when it talks about our, our words, being like arrows, once you shoot an arrow, once you say words, oh geez, don't let it bounce off the gas can that's in there. Once you speak them, you can't get them back. It's not like I can take off at a full sprint and be like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Once the words are out there, they're out there. How many of you have a relationship where things that you said in that friendship, in that relationship, things that you said months ago, years ago, those things are still in that relationship. It's because our words, our words are like arrows, and you can't get them back. Once they're out, they're out. My problem, my problem being a gas can man, is that I get into this discussion, and I, these things pop into my head. Like painful things, like what I know will hurt that person the absolute most. And this little thing will pop into my head, and I'm like, oh, that's like the meanest thing I could say right now. And then like three seconds later, I'm like, did I just say that out loud? 
How many of you have good friends or people you deeply love? And you're in a conversation and you shoot arrows. And it's only after you've shot them that you've been like, oh, did I really just save that person? Yeah. Do you find yourselves in discussions thinking, if I just wouldn't have said that, we would be so much better right now? So maybe for you, as we look at our words, maybe for you, it's an, it's an issue of the arrows that you're firing and being real with yourself and acknowledging the people that you're hurting with your words. So we have, we have the archery of the person firing arrows. Uh, we have the gas can man, the gas can woman. Let's look at another picture we get of words. Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8 says, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. Are there any, is there anybody in here who, um, are there any chocoholics in here? Anybody who's addicted to chocolate? Anybody who's addicted to chocolate that I could reach if I threw a candy bar at you? Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy how that changed. Snickers, Snickers, anybody? Snickers right there. Oh, cookies and cream, cookies and cream. This is like a brick, yo. To be, you, you threw a snowball at me. Why in the world would I give you candy? Freaking Joel, I wasn't even doing anything. Reese's cups. All right. Uh, Mr. Beast Bar, <laughs> I, here's the deal, I only bought this one because, again, as we've already discussed, I'm a child. Once you get it, you'll understand. <laughs> yeah, they get it now. Twix? Oh. All right, here's what I want you to do. If I gave you candy, listen, if I gave you candy, I want you to go ahead and open it up, but don't eat it. Just open it up. Go ahead, open it up. Open it up. I want you to open it up, and I want you to get... I want you to get like that whiff, right? Like, the, who, where are the Reese's peanut butter cups? Who has those? Where did I throw the peanut butter cups? Yeah, you know that feeling of a peanut butter cup when you like pull the paper back from the cup? Yeah, that, that's like living, isn't it? That's, that's good stuff. All right, just don't, don't eat it. Pull it back. I want, you, I want you to put it up to your nose and I want you to smell it. I want you to get ready to eat it. All right, hold it up to your mouth. Now stop and put it away. This is the picture that we get of gossip. This is the picture that the, this is the picture that the the, uh, the author of Proverbs gives us of gossip. You can eat them now. I don't care. How many of you have ever been with somebody, and they're like, "Hey, did you hear about so and so?" And you're like, "No, tell me." How many of you get into these situations, and this person's like. Okay, so-and-so, like, guess, and you're like, all systems go. Like, you're like there. You're like, no, tell me, because I need to know how to pray for them. No. Those, those of you that were holding those chocolates, and you can smell it, and you can feel it, and you're right there, and you're like, this is going to be so great. This is the picture we're given of gossip. It's so unbelievably attractive, and it tastes so good. And, and we have friends, or, or like maybe it's you who like you deal in gossip. 
like you have that friend like they always know what's going down and like you like you can go to them for like a fresh hit right gossip the scripture says gossip is like a morsel that's unbelievably attractive and it tastes great how many of you (laughs) how many others gonna be fun how many of you how many of you heard about Justin and Brittany and what she wrote in her book about him? Any, anybody? Yeah, well, they're good. There were some who. That makes me feel a little better. I would argue that in our culture, we have made gossip something we can sell. So we've commodified it. Because the reality is, is, that, is that we shouldn't know some of the things we know, and we have a problem, and we feel we have a right to know the things that we don't know. Everyone's still with me, still tracking I mean, look at, look, here, we, you have, like, these magazines, and, and I don't know, like, if you, like, get these, like, maybe you're at, like, a doctor's office, and it's there, and so you sit, and you, like, read it, or, like, you're at a friend's house, or maybe you have a subscription, if you have a subscription, I can pray for you afterwards, like, so you pick it up, and you look at it, and then there's, like, that section of, like, celebrities doing normal things, and you're like, oh, they're just like me. Oh, I needed to know that they got a latte because I get lattes. And they, right, you have that, like, what? It, and you're like, now, simple question. I want to see if you can track with me here. You go to Walmart. Where do they put these magazines? Next to the what? Next to the what at the register. Yeah, these magazines are sold next to the candy, the morsels. We consume gossip. It's right next to the candy because it tastes great. It gives us a little buzz. But as my wife, who is a dietitian, will tell you, candy, chocolate, they're not a healthy meal. It doesn't sustain us. So the scripture, the scriptures say that the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's most inner the things that we consume, they say something about us. It says something about our cravings, our hearts. It says something about what we value. It says something about what we it says something about what we feed on. It says something about what brings us joy. Do you struggle with gossip? Do you struggle with hearing little fragments about people and needing to know more, needing to know things that are none of your business? And then you can't wait to share it. So maybe for you, as we look at our words, maybe it's a matter of I don't, I don't want to be the kind of person that spreads or who is addicted to gossip. I want to take a look at one more picture we get of words from the scriptures. Um, turn with me to the book of Ephesians, all the way over a bunch of books to the right. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, there's a possibility that for some of these, some of you, these pictures of words, like it hasn't really, hasn't really resonated, hasn't really spoken to you, but maybe this one at Ephesians uh, will... Uh, drag something up Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 the writer says do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs and that it may benefit those who listen you remember that that when the this was written like over 2,000 years ago and it wasn't originally written in English The New Testament was written in the Greek language. And so sometimes when something is translated from one language to another, you lose something in translation. In fact, we have like triple translations. So like the King James Bible isn't even translated from, it's translated from the Latin, which was translated. So you like lose all sorts of 
thing like the word unwholesome. He says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And we're like, like granola? Like we're, what? Unwholesome. But the word unwholesome in the Greek language is a word with so much more to it. It's this vibrant word. It's the word uh, sipo. Let me hear you say sipo. And sipo literally means rot or putrid. It's where we get the word septic, like septic tank. So let no septic talk come out of your mouth. Now, this morning, I brought with me something from my house, a bag of trash. I haven't seen what's in here, so this could be fun um, because that's... So um, in here, oh, it's already sticky. This is gross. Oh, man. There's an old... There's an old pack of chicken in here, like raw meat. Um, oh, there's a there's a like a, a lunchable with some cheese still crusted in there. Um, speaking of things that aren't healthy for you, oh, that's starting to smell. So this is the word, the word that the scriptures use for the kind of talk that aren't supposed to come out of your mouth is is septic. It's waste, vegetable stuff that has has rotted putrid you see the the bible says that not to let this kind of trash come from our mouths now the stuff in the garbage at one point fruit vegetable cheese milk all the stuff that i'm smelling right now originally originally those things were life giving originally in their pure ripe fresh state you would consume these things and it would give you life it was life giving it would give you energy to get through the day, calories, sustenance, but now these things that were once good, they've decayed. They've lost their life-giving ability. If I told you right now that you could come up and eat something out of there, or you could have chocolate, you're, you're not, you're not going to do that. If you did and you took a bite and I said, hey, what's that taste like? You would say, not good. It wouldn't give you life. Do you see what Paul is saying? He's saying, don't let any talk come out of your mouth that brings death. Is it something good or true? Or has it been perverted, distorted, decayed? So as we look at our words, ask yourselves, are the things coming out of your mouth rot or putrid? Do they bring death? And you've all heard this before because somebody has said something to you and you've been like, they said that and I just wanted to die. That's because what they said was septic, was hurt. So we're called as followers of Jesus to let the words that come from our mouths bring life, to encourage other people. I want to pause here for a moment because I think this is the best space to do it. I want to talk about another platform in which we use words. Social media, Insta, Snapchat, TikTok, texting. Now, if there were an example of words that have the power to be septic, words being like arrows, it would be things like social media. We take great pride in saying things in forums that we would probably never say to the individual face-to-face. 
but because we're typing it in a status or a comment box or a text, we feel the freedom to fire at will. This isn't what Jesus had in mind. What social media has proven is that we as a society have lost the ability to dialogue. And instead, we simply shout our opinions at the top of our lungs. One of my very authors, one of my very favorite authors and speakers, uh, John Acuff, he and I are best friends. He just doesn't know it yet. Um, he, says, he says this. Let me get the next slide up. He says this. He says, a stranger criticizing you online is like someone driving by your house and yelling at their car. Your yard is ugly. I bet your heart is too. You wouldn't listen to them or let them ruin your day. You'd think they don't know me. And who gets that mad about front yard? And then there's texting. The ability to send short written messages from one phone to another. And I would suggest this morning that texting isn't evil, nor is it inherently good. It's ambiguous. It's neither one nor the other. However, just like social media, texting has the ability for an individual to communicate in a message stuff that they would never say to that other person face to face. How many of you have ever become angry because of a text message? Oh, that's a lot. Let's try that again. How many of you have ever become angry? How many of you have ever become so angry that you're just, you can't even type back because you're so, you're like, yeah. How many of you have ever become confused because of a text message? How many of you have ever become frustrated because of autocorrect? How many of you have ever gotten a text from Kathy Brown? You have no idea what the crap it says because you're pretty sure she's texting with socks on her hands. Just, just me and Missy, is that it? Um, well, if you, if you struggle with autocorrect, I have a, a little bit of a video that we'd like to show you. Maybe this will make you feel better and that you're not alone. Take a look. watch that 20 times in a row and laugh every time it's funny autocorrect can mess with us texting can mess with us but here's the other thing guys personally i've watched relationships fall apart because of texting because of the words sent from one phone to another as a pastor i've walked with people whose marriages have ended and it all started with a little text with saying things in a text that you would never say in person. There are words that bring life, and there are words that are deceptive, that bring death. And we have to begin to ask serious questions about the words we speak, whether out loud or using social media or text messages. Are you with me? Are, are we tracking? So again, as we look at our words this morning, as as we prepare to enter into a time of response, I'm going to invite the band to come back up. As we sing together, as we close, maybe you need to ask yourself some very serious questions about your life. 
Are you a gas can man or woman? Do you, do you allow the words to come from your mouth when you should just be silent? Do you fan the embers of a misunderstanding and turn it into an argument? Or, or for you, are you someone who you're shooting arrows with your words? You say things and they really hurt people. And maybe you need to ask for forgiveness and ask Jesus to help you stop firing arrows. Or maybe for you it's gossip. That you deal in gossip and it's consumed you. And it's wrong. And you need to stop. Have you taken any liberties and text messages or through social media that go against God and, and what it means to follow Jesus? Are your words in these instances things that you could say if the person was standing right there in front of you? Maybe your words are septic and they bring death when they should be encouraging others and building them up. So as we move into this time, maybe you need to seek out and ask forgiveness for someone in the room. Or maybe, maybe this morning as we look at our words, as we look at gas cans and arrows and morsels and trash, I imagine this morning that for some of us, these things actually aren't the problem. That for some of us, the issue is what we say to ourselves. It's the internal dialogue, your internal soundtrack. And I, I wonder if some of us, it isn't necessarily the pain that we speak to others. I wonder if for some of us, the greatest pain is the words that we speak to ourselves. I wonder if for some of us, it's our own internal dialogue, the message that we've taken in that we speak to ourselves about our worth? What kind of things are you saying to yourself? I'm nothing. I'm unworthy. I'm a mess. I'm a failure. I don't belong here. I have no future. No one will ever love me. Shame is all I'll ever know. Tomorrow is going to be just like today. Despair is all I have. I'm not good enough, smart enough, strong enough, thin enough, fast enough. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares. For some of us, it's the dialogue that takes place in our own head. It's the words in our own head that are the most destructive. And so maybe this morning, for some of us, it's about, God, it's about saying, God, deliver me from my own voices. The things that tell me all sorts of destructive things about who I am and who I'm becoming. God, deliver me. Replace those voices with the voice of truth that I am who you say I am, as Amaya talked about before break. And so this morning, as we sing one last song together, if you need to seek someone out this morning, go do it. Words have power. And so maybe you need to seek someone out in that way. Maybe you need to speak words that are going to bring life. Maybe you need to ask forgiveness. Maybe you need to grant forgiveness, because granting forgiveness can, can be almost tougher sometimes. Maybe you just need to come up here and spend some time praying and asking God to free you from your own words, your own internal soundtrack. If you'd like prayer, uh, I'm available. Amaya is available. But my invitation is as the band plays that you be sensitive to how God may be speaking to you and that you would respond. So I invite you to stand. And let's pray together.
So God, I pray that this morning as we enter a time of response, that you would, God, that you would speak to us about the things we speak. God, that you would help us consider our words. Father, I pray that whatever work needs to happen in this room this morning, that, that you would have your way.